Well, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along. I have a message that's just burning in my spirit for you, and I believe that God's going to do a great work in your life today. A message titled, Fully Restored. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. That word strive means to make great efforts, to achieve, or to obtain something. In other words, we are seeing the Apostle Paul saying, whatever you do, don't grow weary right now. Don't faint, because God wants you fully restored. He wants you to come out better off than you were originally before the situation occurred. And a lot of times in life, people throw out their confidence. They just say, it's no use. I just can't do this any longer. I can't keep believing God any longer. This is... But how many know it takes faith and patience to inherit the promises of God? God is saying, you've got to stay in faith. You've got to stay in confidence towards the word of God for his promises to be fulfilled in our lives. God wants to bless you and fully restore you. And oftentimes throughout life, it's not even our own mistakes sometimes. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes the enemy throws a curveball at us. And man, we were not expecting it. He stole our time. He might have stole our resources. He might have stole finances from us. Whatever it may be, he might have stole a loved one from us. Maybe a spouse walked out on you or, or something happened in your life that you did not want to have happen in your life. And God is saying to you today, I intend to fully restore you. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says, So don't throw away your confidence, for it has rich reward. God is saying, you've got to keep the confidence. You've got to keep confident regarding my full restoration. Restoration, think of it like this. If you're restoring an antique car, you bring it back to the original condition, right? And restoring, God's saying, that's nothing. When I restore, I bring it out better off. I bring it out souped up. I bring it out with a four barrel. I bring it out with a 440. I, I, I make it better than it was originally. So God wants you to get this new picture in your mind that when things happen in your life that just were not planned for, whether it was your own mistake or someone else's mistake or it's just the lot in life that the enemy threw at you that you were not expecting, God wants to bring you out fully restored, better off than the original condition of the situation was before it happened. God is a God of restoration. And he wants to remind us people today that I want to fully restore you, bringing you out better off than you originally were before the situation occurred. I think about the reason why so many people continue to fail in the sense of when they experience the word, if you think of the word hurt or pain, most people immediately think of loss, right? You know what I'm talking about? You've been through something hurtful or some kind of a pain in life. Uh, you think of loss. Most people do. Maybe it was a loved one that passed on. Maybe it was a, a dog that you love so much that passed on. Something happened to it. Uh, most people attribute to hurt or pain as an association to loss. God's saying, listen to me. I know it hurt. I know it was painful. But I've got something great for you. I'm going to bring you out better off than you were originally. And I'm not trying to mute or tone down uh, what you've been through in life. That's not my heartbeat at all today. My heartbeat for you is to understand that God cares about you. And it's his very desire and his passion to fully restore you. But the thing is, is you've got to make sure you're not thinking loss. Because if you keep thinking loss, guess what's going to happen? You're going to keep attracting more loss to yourself. 
Uh, in fact, Job chapter 3, verse 25 says, What I greatly feared has come upon me. So if you're fearing loss, or if you're going through a feeling of loss, you're going to keep attracting more loss. What God needs you to think of is that when there's hurt or pain, that you begin to think in a new perspective of gain. Have you ever worked out, and you know what I'm talking about, and you heard somebody say, no pain, no gain. Or you're around some tough guys and some tough women, and they're just like pushing, pushing, pushing. They're really pressing hard, and they say, and you're like, man, I can't go any further. I can't go this extra mile. You're like, hey, no pain, no gain. And you know what I'm talking about, because the next morning you wake up, and you're like, I can't even move a muscle in my body, and you're sore. But how many know that a few days later, you feel good? You've got more lung capacity, you've got more breathing, uh, feeling of freedom. You've got a healthier perspective because you went through some building muscle moments. And so sometimes we've got to keep building, you could say always, uh, we've got to keep building our faith muscles. And so when there is a hurtful or painful experience that we all have experienced in one way or another, we've got to make sure that we look at it through the right perspective, that it's not a loss, it is a Gain. Say to your neighbor, touch him on the shoulder, it's a gain. Say it to your other neighbor, it's a gain. When you go through something hurtful or some type of a pain in life, the Bible says to count it all joy. I'm not saying to praise the Lord over the bad situation that you're going through, but I'm talking about praising the Lord that God's going to bring you out better off than you were originally before the situation happened. And when you have this restoration mindset that God wants to bring you out better off than you originally were, I'm telling you, it makes the devil sad. He doesn't like this. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants God's people to be passive about this. But when your expectations start climbing because you look at pain and hurt as a gain and not a loss, now your faith, your expectations are going to keep climbing into what God has destined you to do. Think of it as uh, when there were moments in the Bible, whether we're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown into the burning fire furnace. If that situation was a gain. Or you talk about Daniel thrown into the lion's den. It was not a loss. It was a gain. Daniel came out better off than he was before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out better off than they were. When Joseph's brother sold Joseph into slavery, it looked like a loss, but really it was a gain. Listen, they may have stolen Joseph's robe originally and ripped it up and shredded it up and uh, sold him into slavery and it looked like things were going from worse to worse at times in Joseph's life but listen in just a matter of time it wasn't next week it wasn't a year after sometimes it doesn't happen always overnight but we've got to keep believing because those God-given dreams that God has put us in and put in our hearts God wants us to be catapulted into our God-given destinies so eventually Joseph did get his robe back but it was a better robe. Joseph did get his identity back, but it was a better identity. Joseph did get his family back, but they were better as a family than they were originally before the situation occurred. God desires to bring you out better off than you originally were. I still remember when Oral Roberts was uh, made world-renowned. Do you know how it happened? A man heard about the healing crusade that he was doing. Oral Roberts was hardly known about. And he took out a gun. This man came out, took out a gun, a rifle, and shot at Oral, trying to kill him, trying to murder him. Uh, right there during his healing crusade, the bullet went just above Oral Roberts' head, missed him. The man was brought into custody, arrested. The next day, Oral went to visit him, and along with some of his team members, and they asked him the question, why did you do that? 
And this man said, I don't know, something just made me do it. Well, we know that something and who that something was. And his name is Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But do you want to know what came of that situation? This is what happened. It went worldwide in newspaper, press, all over the world. Healing evangelists shot at. It made Oral Roberts famous in 24 hours and put him on the booking list for the rest of his life. God is in the business of fully restoring you, whether it's your time, your resources, your identity, no matter what it is, God wants to bring you out better off than you originally were. In Proverbs, or in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, God says, no matter what it is, I'll work all things together for your good, for those who love the Lord. The only prerequisite is, as long as we love the Lord, God will take and work all things together for our good. God is a good God, and he will take what the enemy has intended for evil to harm us with, and he'll catapult us and use it as a stepping stone into your God-given destiny and dream. As long as we stay in faith, God will continue to keep working his full restoration ability. And when God works restoration in our life, he always brings us out better, far better than we originally were. Sometimes people say, well, it's just no use. I've been believing God for this for a long time, and it just hasn't come to fruition. And it's no use. Well, in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17, God says in his word, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. This is the reason why. Because they called you an outcast. God says, listen, no matter what your wounds are, whether they're physical, emotional, spiritual, no matter what your wounds are, that word in Hebrew, wounds, means long-term condition. Sometimes people just start tolerating and start putting up with the condition that they're in rather than believing God, expecting God to bring full restoration to their life. Here's the thing is God doesn't want you simply healed. He wants you fully restored. And again, it could be time, resources, finances, relationships, no matter what area, God wants you fully restored. In Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3, God reveals to us, it's the Lord who is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He restores our soul. Soul, we have a spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a physical body. The word soul there means mind, will, and emotions. So where it all begins is in the soul. Our mind, will, and emotions. And if we can receive this, as a, a container that's open to receiving from what the Lord wants to do in and through our lives, God will start with our mind, our will, and emotions. Can he bring us to a place of great prosperity in our lives, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, socially? And the answer is yes. God wants to fully restore you. In 3 John verse, chapter 1, verse 2, says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Nothing happens in the physical until it happens in the spirit. So when we can begin to see restoration taking place in our life, it will begin to manifest all around us. That's what God's asking for you to do is to keep expecting, keep believing. Every day when you wake up in the morning, you just say, this is my day of full restoration. This day is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it because I know the God of restoration is working on behalf of my marriage, my family, my resources, my finances. No matter what area it is, God wants to bring full restoration to your life. It's the desire and the passion of his heart. Now, I, the other day when we were taking time during the night of freedom worship, we were taking time to pray for people. And one lady that we came across, I started praying for her and the word that came up in my mind was God wanted to restore her. 
God wanted to restore her resources, her finances, things that were intended to be for her that maybe were held back, resources, whatever it may have been. But God wanted to restore. And this is what I encouraged her to do. As I encouraged her every day from here on out to begin to claim, to believe God for a sevenfold restoration in every area of her life. Also, including her ancestors before her that did not know that you could do this, that you could believe for full restoration. So what was intended for her, even her ancestors, God wants to do now and bring it to her. Even though her ancestors may not have received the promises of God for themselves because they didn't know any better, it would be their desire as well to see that inheritances being given to her now. So this is how it works. Jesus appeared to a man one time, a well-known mentor uh, that Amy and I have listened to for years. He's now passed on to be with Jesus. But listen, years ago, the Lord spoke to him and said, my people are not receiving all that is intended for them. They're not believing for full restoration in their life. And he said, and this is Jesus. He appeared to him in the flesh. And he's standing there and he said, my people need to understand that they need to learn to claim what rightfully belongs to them through my shed blood. So number one, if you want to start tapping into full restoration, you've got to know you've got to claim what rightfully belongs to you as your inheritance through Jesus Christ. You've got to claim it. That's the first thing. Claim what rightfully belongs to you. Number two, Jesus, and I'm not going to take you through all the scriptures to back up everything I'm saying. I'm just going to challenge you to do it yourself. But listen, Jesus said, I give you authority in my name. So the second thing you need to do is you need to use your God-given authority. And this is what Jesus told him to do. He said, I want you to say, now let's say, for example, it's finances that were stolen from you. You need to take claim to what rightfully belongs to you. And number two, you need to use your God-given authority that Jesus gave you through his name. So you need to say, Satan, take your hands off of my money. You've got to take your God-given authority. Don't be passive about this. You've got to claim it. You've got to take claim of what rightfully belongs to you. And number two, you've got to tell Satan, you take your hands off my money in Jesus' name. And third, you have been given ministering spirits, angels, to those who have inherited salvation, the Bible says. There are ministering spirits, angels that are assigned to you, and they're waiting for you to tell them what to do. Listen, there is a miracle in your mouth just waiting to happen. God has given you creativity. He has told you to speak to the mountains and they will be cast into the sea. So he said the next thing you need to do, number three, is you've got to release your ministering spirits to go forth and to bring in what you are claiming in Jesus' name. Once again, in my name, he said. So listen, you've got to claim it. You've got to take authority in the name of Jesus. Satan, take your hands off my money off my resources, off my time, off my marriage, whatever it might be. And thirdly, you've got to send forth your ministering spirits that are there that are just waiting for you to tell them what to do. They hearken to the voice of the Lord, the Bible says. They hearken to the voice of God and his word. So when you take God's word and you apply it to your life, the angels will go to work on your behalf. And once again, God wants to bring you out, not just like you were originally, but better off than you were Think of Job, how he came out with twice as much. Even though it was his, you know, I'm going to put it this way, what he greatly feared came upon him. Yes, he was a righteous man, but he's also moaning and groaning for 40 chapters. Now, this is a 9 to 12 month period that we're talking about, not a 20 or 40 uh, year period like some people say. All, most theologians will tell you that it was a 9 month to a 12 month period that he went through this hard time in his life. 
And he says it in Job chapter 3, verse 25, what I have greatly feared has come upon me. How many know that what you greatly fear, you will pull in, you will attract? Now on the flip side, what you greatly believe in and what you're expecting, where your faith is, Jesus said it best, you'll move mountains with. So what we're expecting in life, what we're believing in life, how we're using our faith, whether it's forwards for the kingdom of God or we're taking our faith and using it for the enemy, the enemy is going to steal, kill, and destroy. Now thank God for Job, even though he had kind of a potty mouth for about 40 40 chapters and moaning and groaning and complaining. Uh, he was a good man. He's a righteous man. But how many know that my people perish because of lack of knowledge? Now, we've got some advanced knowledge because of progressive revelation, because we have the New Testament as well, and Jesus taught us these things, spiritual principles. Faith is what overcomes the world. So when we are throwing a curveball, whether it was us doing it, and we took down the shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Let's say, for example, we opened the door. We took down the shield of faith when we shouldn't have done that. We should never do it. We should always put on the full armor of God, as Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to do. But let's say, for example, it was our mistake. God still wants to bring you out better off than you originally were. And that's exactly what he did with Job. He brought him out twice, twice as much as what Job had originally. God is in the business of fully restoring you, and he doesn't do it just to the original condition. He will always bring you out better off than you originally were. Think of Israel and how the Egyptians, how they kept them in bondage and slavery. Now, listen, in Psalm 105, verse 37, God brought them out with silver and gold. There was none feeble among the, his tribes. In other words, God brought out God, his people, Israel, out of the Egyptians' bondage and slavery better off than they were originally. Or think about Joseph once again. God gave him a new robe that nobody could steal. He gave him a new identity that was better than the original identity. And he once again brought out his family better off than they originally were. In Psalm 102, it reminds us that today God's wanting to do something. And this is my prophetic word over each and every one of you today. God wants to bring full restoration to you. Whether it's your marriage, your family, your relationships. Now is a time not to throw in the towel. Now is a time to keep striving to achieve, to obtain. How do you do it? We encourage one another. In Psalm 102, verses 12 through 13, it says, But you, O Lord, shall endure forever. And the remembrance of your name to all generations, you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. God's set time for your full restoration begins today if you will receive it. God wants to bring you all better off. No matter what the enemy has done, no matter any way, shape, or form he's tried to steal, kill, or destroy from you, God wants to bring you all much, much better off than you originally were. God's compensation always includes more than what was lost originally. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, I will exact the compensation, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge and determine and solve and settle the cause and the cases of his people. God wants you fully restored in every area of your life. What was stolen? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 31. Yet when he has found the enemy, when he has found, he must, be, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. God's wanting you to come out seven times better than when the enemy first stole from you. It could be your marriage. It could be your family. It could be your relationships. Maybe it was a good friend. Maybe you lost your dog that you loved. Uh, maybe it was a spouse that walked out on you. It doesn't really matter. God wants to bring you out seven times better than you originally were. I remember this story that uh, our pastor, Jerry Seville, shared with us. One time, years ago, he was standing on the sevenfold restoration, sevenfold return, and it was this situation. He had invited a few estimates to come in for doing some landscaping at his house. 
Well, one landscaping came and they started working without his approval. They had given him an estimate of how much it was, and he said, I'll think about it, and I'll get back to you if I'm interested. Well, when he got back into town one day, his whole, this company, this landscaping company, was at his house doing a bunch of work. And they were doing the landscaping. And he said, what are you doing? We don't have an agreement. We never, I never signed a contract. What are you doing here? And he said, well, you told me to come and do landscaping. He said, you know I did not tell you to do my landscaping. I told you I'd get back to you if I was interested. I just simply wanted a bid right now. Well, to make a long story short, this man said, no, you owe me. You owe me for the work I've done today. And he said, I don't owe you anything. We never set up a contract in any way, shape, or form. I never gave you approval to come and do this work. And he said, no, you, you owe me. And he said, in fact, you owe me $3,000. Oh, you could just imagine what was going on with Dr. Seville right there at that moment. He was thinking to himself, if I was just a few years back before I was a Christian, I would take care of this a different way right now. And, of course, the Lord's dealing with his emotions. Calm down, calm down. And so he finally just said to the guy, he said, take your company and go. He said, you owe me $3,000. I owe you nothing. To make this story more clear, what happened is the Lord started dealing with Dr. Seville's heart. And he said, I want you to pay him the $3,000. Why, Lord? He, we did not set up a contract. This is not right. And he said, I know it's not right, but he's a backslidden Christian, and I want to touch him with my agape love. So he called up this man, and he said, I want to come and see you. I want to have a meeting with you. And he was really concerned, this businessman, he was really concerned that Dr. Seville was going to come in with the sheriff and you know, have him arrested and all that stuff for what he was doing and how he's acting and all that stuff. To, but what Jerry did that day is this. He handed him the check for $3,000, and he said, you and I both know we did not have a contract to do this. And you know that's wrong in your own heart, and I know you know that's wrong. But because God has gotten involved and he's asked me to give you the $3,000, I'm doing it out of honor for him. He told me he wants you to understand how much he loves you unconditionally. The man began to cry, and he said, I'm a backslidden Christian. And he said, things have been going haywire in my life. I've been losing everything. My marriage, my business is going under. Finances have been horrible. That day, Jerry Seville led him back to Jesus. That $3,000 was a great investment in the kingdom of God. But listen, the guy said this. He said, I knew you were a Christian. I thought I could just take advantage of you. And he was open. He was transparent about it. And this is what God said. Nobody can take advantage of Christians if they know their covenant rights. He said, I want you from this day forward to claim a sevenfold on what was stolen from you. So that's what he did. For the next how many weeks or so, he started claiming, Lord, I thank you for a sevenfold off of that $3,000. And I thank you that it's coming out of the enemy's camp. And that's the way the Lord directed him to pray. Lord, I thank you that I'm getting a sevenfold every day. Thank you, Lord, for my sevenfold off of this. And it's coming out of the enemy's camp. And he stayed on it. He stayed on this. A lot of people never receive their promises in life because they won't stay on the hundredfold. They won't keep believing God for the hundredfold or the sevenfold in this case. They just say it one time, but they don't keep their expectations high. And then all of a sudden, they don't see it come to fruition in time span that they thought it should. And so they just throw in the towel and give up. Well, I don't believe that 100-fold stuff works or that 30 or 60 or 100-fold stuff works. Most of God's people don't receive all that God has for them because they give up way too soon. And they stop claiming what rightfully belongs to them. Dr. Seville kept claiming, Lord, I thank you for a sevenfold off of this situation that occurred to me. Several weeks went by, and he got a phone call. And it was a businessman that was trying to get a hold of him and asked if he would meet out at the airport. So he went out to the airport. He knew who this person was. He's a mutual friend of his and someone else. And so he goes out to the airport, and he meets him as he flies in. 
And the man gets out of the plane with this big grocery bag. And he hands Jerry Seville this bag. And he said, what's this? And he said, the Lord told me to give it to you. He said, I, I ask you, though, do not ask me where and how I got it. He said, all I'm supposed to tell you is that it came out of the enemy's camp and it belongs to you. And he said, well, what's in there? And he said, well, you can look. But he said, it belongs to you. The Lord told me to give it to you. And it came out of the enemy's camp. So he opened the bag and it was filled with money, cash. He dropped it on the pavement because this looks like a drug deal going down right there and then. He said, I can't take that. He said, well, I'm not taking it back with me. The Lord told me it belongs to you and it's coming out of the enemy's camp. So if you leave it and I leave it, it's just going to sit here. So eventually, Brother Jerry picked it up real gracefully and gently. He didn't know what he's going to do with that. He brought it home, and of course, Mrs. Seville's there. And she said, well, Jerry, what you got in the bag? And he dumped it out onto the table as it kept pouring and kept pouring. It was cash. And she said, what did you do? <laughs> and he explained the story. Do you want to know how much it accounted for? What's sevenfold out of 3000 $21,000 to the penny. God restored him fully, but he didn't restore him to the original condition. He didn't give him just the 3000 back. He gave him $21,000 out of the enemy's camp. How many know God wants to transfer the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the righteous? Why? Because we're going to be a whole lot better stewards with God's money than the porn companies and all these other companies, drug dealing companies. God doesn't want them to handle the money. God wants his people to handle the money because they will use it to glorify the Lord. They will use it to build the kingdom of God. God wants to send the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the righteous. And this is one of the avenues, one of the techniques that God is instructing his people to do is to begin to claim your sevenfold off of no matter what's been stolen in your life. Whether we're talking about finances, resources, or your time. In Joel chapter uh, 2, verse 25, it could be time. Maybe you felt like you lost your childhood. You got passed from relative to relative. It seemed like nobody really wanted you. But God is saying, I'll make up for that time. Believe for that time. In Joel chapter 2, verse 25, God says, I will restore your time. God wants to restore whatever has been stolen in your life. He wants to bring you out better off than you originally were. He'll turn your sorrows into joy. It could be the years. It could be some other type of loss experience that you had of a loved one, a pet, whatever it might have been. God says, I'll give you a crown of beauty for your ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, a festive praise instead of despair. He'll give you a sevenfold. Maybe it's shame. Someone has been trying to shame you. God says, I'll give you double honor. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7, it says, Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. In the message translation, it says, Because you got double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy go on forever. One of the most important things you can do is, if, let's, see, it's, let's say, for example, it was shame. Someone's been shaming you, trying to make you look bad publicly or uh, in your personal life or whatever it might be. That's where you begin to say, Lord, I thank you for double honor right now in my life. I thank you that you're bringing me out better off than when this attack first occurred. Lord, I just praise you right now that you're bringing me out with double honor, better off in Jesus' name. When you begin to claim and you, you tell the enemy to take your hands off of me, in the name of Jesus, or off my time, off my resources, off my finances, and then you send forth your ministering spirits that are just waiting to listen to the word, to hearken to the voice of God, to his word. I'm telling you, they will begin to gather up what rightfully belongs to you. What does this full restoration look like in God's eyes? 
In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, as Christ is in all of his glory, so are we in this world. As Christ is healed, as Christ is healthy, as Christ is strong, as Christ is prosperous, as Christ is full of faith, as Christ is free, as Christ is fully restored, so are you in this world. As Christ is, so are you. Begin to visualize, begin to see yourself as Christ is in all of his glory. And here's the key, one of the primary keys in addition to visualizing and seeing the way God sees you, that it's not a loss, it's a gain. How? God's bringing you out better off than the original condition. I'm telling you, you'll get yourself back in faith, you'll get out of the lost mindset, and you'll start looking at things from a gain perspective. And when you begin to look and expect good things to happen to you, because God says in his words that goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, when those blessings come in, begin to give gratitude. I'm telling you, this is what Jesus was looking for in Luke chapter 17 when the 10 lepers were like, Master, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. Jesus said, go, show yourself to the priest, didn't he? Now, how many came back to give Jesus thanks? One. Now, Jesus said in the King James Version, depending on what version you're reading from, but he said, your faith has made you whole. In other words, his gratitude his attitude of gratitude determined that man's altitude. And that word whole means nothing missing and nothing broken. In other words, leprosy in those days and in today's day's generation, I'm telling you, leprosy is a cruel thing. And it will start taking pieces and parts off of a person's body. Those people, the other nine, were healed. They saw themselves cleansed. They felt themselves cleansed. They saw a miracle take place. But the one that came back out of the ten came back to give thanks to Jesus. And that one was made whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Your gratitude is what's going to start producing the multitude of blessings to come upon your life to make sure that you're fully restored, whole. Nothing missing and nothing broken. The University of California, Berkeley, conducted a $5.6 million project, a three-year project on gratitude. This is what the researchers discovered. Number one, they received better sleep. Those who were grateful received better sleep. Number two, fewer symptoms of illness. Number three, more happiness. Number four, less anxiety and depression. Number five, increased self-esteem. Number six, less stress. And number seven, reduced negativity. I have a couple of quotes for you, and I think that they're significant, whether you look at these people with admiration or not. Their quotes are powerful. And I think you need to hear them. Oprah Winfrey said these words. Be thankful for what you have and you will end up having more. But if you concentrate on what you don't have, you'll never, ever have enough. Oprah Winfrey said the words that what turned her life around and caused her program to be catapulted into her, what she believes to be one of her destinies, is gratitude. She started a prayer basically a gratitude journal of marking, writing down everything that she was grateful for each and every single day. Watch what Steve Harvey says. Gratitude is a powerful process. The only way to move to the next level is you must show gratitude for where you are. If you show gratitude, it gets you to where you want to be quicker. Where did they get these kind of concepts, these principles? Where did they learn this? It's filled in the word of God. In Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5, come into my gates with thanksgiving. Come into my courts with praise. God says, if you will appreciate me, 
If you will, then continue to say so. Continue to appreciate. In Romans chapter 1, they stopped, number one, what did they do? They stopped glorifying God and they stopped being thankful to God. And God turned them over to defile their own flesh because they would not glorify, honor him, or esteem God. And they were not thankful or appreciative. Amy and I started this week, and I'm going to encourage all of you to start it with us. But we made a decision for the next 30 days that we will not let a negative word, a critical word, come out of our mouth. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. You might have to buy some duct tape and put some duct tape over your mouth at times. But if you're married, hold each other accountable. If you've got children, hold each other accountable. I'm telling you, if you will start this, I can tell you people that we know personally that have started doing this, it's taken their ministry to a whole new level. It's when the blessings started to unfold like they never dreamed possible. If you can hold your tongue basically for the next 30 days and not allow anything negative or critical to come out of your mouth. And I'm telling you, as soon as you make a decision to do this, I'm telling you the enemy will try and throw some darts your way. He'll try and give you something that you can talk about that's negative or critical. Maybe somebody says something about you or does something and you're going to be tempted to speak something critical or negative. But if you will tame your tongue, you will steer your ship in the right direction, as James says. It's like a rudder to your ship. And God is saying, I've got a great destiny for you, but you've got to make sure you're not murmuring and complaining. God wants his people to just keep on praising on through because you cannot keep a praising saint down. Amen? Amen. In the Amplified Version, in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, in the verse 19 it says, Your faith, your trust, and confidence that comes from believing God has restored you. One of the key components is your gratitude. If you will take time to express your gratitude each and every single day, it might be something small to begin with. You see some kind of miracle come to fruition. It might eventually become something really big. But God's saying, if you will remember the one who gave you the power to get wealth in the first place, then I will keep causing these blessings to come and chase you down and overtake you. But it starts with taking time to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the small things. Thank you for the big things. It doesn't matter what it is. Count your blessings one by one. And as a result, your attitude of gratitude will certainly determine your altitude, and it will put you into your God-given destiny and dreams, creating you to become a world changer, a history maker, one who will reach their destiny and leave a great legacy. If you receive this, will you say amen today? Amen. Would you please bow your head and close your eyes? Father, we thank you so much for our time together. We just want to acknowledge how much we appreciate you. We're so grateful to have time with you and to be able to receive from your word today. Lord, we thank you that you've never given up on us and help us never to give up on your word or your promises, but help us to continue to keep striving for full restoration, to keep believing for full restoration in our life. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ or today you're saying, Pastor, I really want to get back on course with Jesus. In Romans 10, 13, it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done right or wrong. All that really matters is what Jesus Christ has done right for you. You're saying, Pastor, I need to repent. There's some things I've been speaking unkindly about someone, and I just need to, I just need to repent of that. I need to get my, my mouth right with Jesus. I need to repent of the things that I've been saying about my spouse or about my family, loved ones, or whoever it might be. I'm not saying you're way backslidden. I'm saying that there is a point where you repent and you say, God, I want to make things right. Today, I'm going to ask you whether it's a first-time decision or you want to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to recommit your mouth to the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to recommit 
the rest of your life to Jesus on either one of those occasions, whether it's a first-time decision or you want to recommit to the Lord Jesus, and you're saying, Pastor, please pray for me right where I'm at today. If that's you all over this auditorium today, and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me, would you slip up a hand all over this room just acknowledging you want to accept Christ or you want to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus? Thank you for your hands. Any others who are saying, Pastor, please pray for me just a moment longer? Anyone else? Okay, thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. I know it takes courage. It takes faith. It takes boldness to do that. Let's take a moment and let's pray with those that are making that quality choice and that decision. Would you put a hand on your heart? Let's be an encouragement to them as they call on Jesus' name. Let's do this together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, please come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever in jesus name amen and amen would you give them a big hand clap let them know how much you love them appreciate them